So if you're looking at uh, like, you know, the different yeah. asset classes, so you mentioned commodities and real yeah. estate. Commodities, real estate, yeah. I mean, crypto seems to be trending back up. I mean, it's like <laughs> 1% single digit percentage of the portfolio. Uh, okay, now I I believe in crypto, mm-hmm. but I believe in 1% crypto. So if you have a portfolio, you know, knock yourself out. Put mm. 1% into cryptocurrency and watch it moon, you know? You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time, which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Hi guys, and welcome back to the BFF Podcast. And today we have with us again, Chris Ong. Hi, Chris. Hello. So today we're talking about combating inflation 2023. And I know like it's a topic that you like to talk about. Right. So if we're looking at the numbers, right? Uh, headline inflation for Singapore stood at 6.3% in February this year. Right. Core inflation, which basically excludes accommodation and private transport costs, is at a 14-year high of 5.5% on February 2023 and okay. 5% on March 2023. MAS is projecting core inflation to reach around 2.5% by the end of 2023, which means that we should expect some slowdown in the second half of 2023. Do you see any further headwinds in the next few quarters? Because obviously inflation is something that has, you know, battered us quite a bit in the last few months, right? And we have actually seen purchasing power go down as, you know, the cost of a lot of things have gone up. Right. So mortgages have actually gone up. Mm. Uh, My mortgage went from $1,005 to $3,000 a month. Hmm. So I would have to economize in other areas of my life, Mm. right? Now, the thing about slowing inflation is that this is my personal belief. It comes with a price. You can't have lower inflation without some kind of pain. Mm-hmm. And that pain needs to come from maybe a technical recession over the next two to three quarters mm-hmm. or, or, or maybe a full-blown recession over in, in 2024. I say this because there's a report, I think uh, Lawrence Summers of Harvard University, I think he did a simulation for inflation to drop to about 2% in the US. Mm. Unemployment needs to be a double-digit kind of number, but mm-hmm. it's obviously a simulation, yeah. right? So if you want to see the good old days of 1% to 2% uh, of negligible like mortgage payments, if you buy yourself a condominium, then <laughs> you might want to see massive job losses in Singapore for that to happen. Mm. Or maybe... Uh, people getting pay cuts in the economy, mm-hmm. right? So um, it will not be easy and it will be relatively painful. For the investment community, yeah, we could be looking at 20-30% drops in your equity portfolio, mm. right, in order to do that. So um, otherwise, we might just have to maybe accept a new norm, 4-5% to every year. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah but, but I think I lean on the pessimistic side. You lean right? on the pessimistic side, yeah. and that would be... Yeah, it, it wouldn't be easy around to... around 4-5%. Yeah, 4-5%. Mm. Very difficult to bring inflation under control. Yeah, mm. and uh, we'll see, right? There are foreclosures and there are bankruptcies. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be monitoring these numbers to see what happens. Mm, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So when we look at, you know, how inflation actually mm. impacts us in real life, right? It, mm. It's really in terms of one, purchasing power, which means that we basically pay more for for anything from our daily Thai fund to, right. you know, whatever else we want to buy. Right. Our savings and also our investments. Right. So... What are your what's your take on you know actionable ways to combat inflation in these three areas? Okay, 
the first way which I'm going to talk about is that if you're looking for a house, you have to manage your expectations mm. because four to five percent mortgage big, payments are brutal. Yes, on a on a big purchase. Yeah, on a big purchase, right? So you you might want to moderate your housing needs, uh, and I don't think it's optional, right? A lot of young people who are looking at their houses, you might have to downgrade from a five room to a four room. So that's that's a reality check for everybody. So you're saying like young yeah. families who are looking to buy, yeah. La. Yeah, younger families. Mm. For, for people like me who already have a house, we have no choice. We have to swallow the uh, higher floating rates. Mm. And I don't mean that it's actually not easy to switch to a fixed rate because fixed rates are high as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I really don't see uh, like a way out of that. Unless and, it's the people who have uh, fixed the fixed rate back in the good old days. Oh no, the fixed rate back in the good old days, uh, there is a time limit. So mm. um, they would have to... Uh, it will run out after three years yes. and then they'll switch to a floating, a floating. rate that's even more brutal than the floating rate that mm. I have because I started with a floating rate. Mm. I think that's that's really rough. Mm. Now, if you cannot do that and your housing issues are fixed, then you have to really cut down mm-hmm. on your personal expenses, right? Uh, within my household, the largest area I could cut is my kids' tuition because uh, like many Kiasu parents and mm-hmm. all that, we spend a lot of money on children's education. Yeah, it's actually very uh, quite hefty. Yeah, a lot of it is unnecessary and uh, we're cutting down actually, we're cutting down. Even before we're feeling the financial stress, we're cutting down because it's not making my daughter happy. But just earlier, yeah. you were saying that it is so important for children to be yeah. smart in the, uh, in the job market. So yeah. when parents think about that, the immediate response is to yeah. send your kids to as many enrichment courses as possible and that would be you know, anything that's outside of the school syllabus, right? right. Everything, you know, and those things add up. The problem is that I don't think the tuition agencies are here to really teach you how to think critically mm. and independently. Mm. They're here to help you pass exams. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and the other problem with enrichment is it, it has to be something that your kids like. And mm. if you, you just throw them into things that they don't like, right? You, you're just throwing your money into a hole. Mm-hmm. In the times when inflation is high, you need to be very economical when you think about these things. And, and mm. anyway, it costs your kids a certain amount of happiness to throw them into these courses. So I, I would recommend that if your family, you should cut it down. Mm. Right? Cut it down as much as you can. Yeah. Beyond, like, just maybe cutting off the meat from your chai fan, I think... <laughs> it's not going to make yeah, a big difference. Make a big difference or switching from... Actually, switching from latte to kopi to kopi, the difference is quite big. If Six you, to one yeah, fifty. Yeah, so you gotta really learn to make choices like that, except that you need to expect that your Kopi Tiam Heartlander coffee is gonna go up by 10, 20 cents uh, over the next one or two years. Mm. Yeah, it's unavoidable. I'm mm-hmm. already paying one thirty a cup. It's already gone up already. Uh. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, you, you gotta economize in that area. Yeah, I mean I agree yeah. with you. I mean it's one thing to I I think it's crucial to look at the big ticket purchases first. So like you rightly said housing. Yeah. Uh I mean with regards to spending, uh, yes, you know, you're you're saying from the example of people with children and they're already spending yeah. quite a bit on enrichment classes. Right. Um, then that will also be quite hefty because you know uh, you know I know you know some parents on top of kind of sending their kids on enrichment courses for for just on the subjects you know examinable right. subjects yeah there's the additional ones which is you know maybe there are you know centers that teach you critical thinking or right. you know there is speech and drama speech or and like drama. dance That's classes right. ballet piano yeah so on and so forth which is not you know it's great for building you know maybe an all rounded right. child but then it's I I I reckon that these are the ones that you know, parents to drop first because right. of that pressure to chase grapes. As a parent, this is what I'm going to say. Mm. If every parent were to tone down their tuition, I'm willing to tone down my tuition. It's an arms race. 
I know. Right? But, but the problem nobody is, is um, backing down first. The problem is nobody's backing down first, yeah. right? And it's 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 what why they call it involution in China, right? <laughs> now, the policymaker needs to create a catalyst to force everybody to take one step downwards. Mm-hmm. Everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Once everybody takes that one step downwards, parents will be very happy because we'll be spending less money. Mm. There's more money to be put in other areas. We can get better food. We're willing to actually pay hawkers. Maybe uh, you can charge me more for my Thai fund because I don't have to send my kids to tuition because the government has mandated that everybody has taken one step back, mm. right? Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And we can create a fairer kind of meritocracy as well because our, our hawkers also need a pay raise. Yes. Right? That should be what what we really need. If, if inflation really gets out of hand, right, you might need to press that button, you know, and maybe say that children who attend tuition agencies register with the Ministry of Education mm. and they will fight between each other mm-hmm. for the seats in medicine and law, mm. whereas the kids who don't have tuition will fight under a different pool for a different percentage of the seats, you know, yes. something like that would be great, you yes. know. Yeah, and, and that would be, that, that would really make it a lot more relaxing for me and and, and, and and I don't have to like dump all this money with a tuition agency. Yeah, yeah. which we know is a lucrative business by itself. It's it's tough as well for, for tutors because they're also competing with each other. Yes. So, yeah, so, so it's not exactly... But like, the market as yeah. a whole like, is yeah, a sizable one. Mm. Yeah. yeah mm. We, we don't want a society like China, right, where, where there's so much involution. It's like, you know, when you... I read an interview about rich people coming to Singapore. Mm-hmm. And he asked him, what do you like about Singapore? Singapore is not an involuted society. Mm. But the problem is that when they when they enter the economy, they're going to bring this to us, you see? That culture. Yeah, that culture. And yeah, it's like, oh, my kid can study like 24 hours a day. He, <laughs> he comes from a communist regime. <laughs> what is your kid going to do about it? Right? Yeah, that's that's something which I think parents should, should be concerned about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, on the tuition perspective, certainly. Right. But then for, let's say, for people with no kids... Okay. We talked about housing, we talked about cost of education. Okay. What what other things are there before we go on to okay. investments? I don't know. I always think that this is a very good society for singles compared to parents or married people. Mm. So long as you, you are still young and you're dynamic and you don't need anybody to look after you, mm. I think the world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. And um, inflation is as simple as just managing expectations. Uh. I mm. mean, managing your own expectations mm-hmm. and other people. Mm. And if you're a single person, really, right, you can entertain yourself with a constellation of Netflix, Disney Plus, <laughs> and you can travel when you save a little bit of money. At the most, you don't travel. How bad can things get if you don't have to pay for the tuition? And if, you, if you're single and you don't have a car, it's even better. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good life. You know? Yeah. Although yeah. I would like to add, I, I mean, this usually happens like later on in life, and this would right. be medical costs. Right. Medical These are costs, costs that you healthcare costs. Yeah. That you you know you something you don't plan to incur. Right. That you know, depending on the severity of chronic illnesses, right. you know, these are costs that could be quite substantial later on in life, especially yeah. if it's not covered by insurance. Yeah. So the, the medical problem is experienced by well, married people and single people. Mm. But I think the problem of loneliness is a real one. I think that that's the biggest disadvantage. Mm. But it only comes online maybe uh, when you're in your sixties or seventies. Like, I'm actually currently living with my mom because my mom has some imbalance issues at the water level behind mm. her ears. And, and so I could, like, look after my mom for a week before I go back to my family and my wife and kids and all that, right? Mm. So, if my mom is, is like, my mom has a sister who's single, right? So what's going to happen if, if the same problem befalls her? Mm. Yeah, there's nobody to do that, mm. right? So, yeah, I think 
that's that's the biggest problem. I think loneliness kills more than uh, heart disease. I think they've done some research. I've seen um, right? some recent headlines on that. Yeah. And, and and I guess, you know, in my gerontology studies, actually the loneliness was actually a big risk factor when COVID hit, right? right. There was an immediate thing that um, people in the space were concerned about because these would be, you know, like, um, let's say, single living elderly who are by right. themselves and then all of a sudden social interaction is cut. Right. And, and, and that actually takes quite a big toll yeah. on health or, you know, just physical being. Somehow I think that it might be better for a single woman because it's easier to form friendships. Whereas for guys, right, you you, you have to like find a bunch of guys to do the same things that you like to do together. Mm. So I think that's very hard. I, I could imagine that if I'm single today, I would have very few friends, mm-hmm. guy friends, because my, my hobbies are esoteric, right? I play Dungeons and Dragons. Who's going to play Dungeons and Dragons with me in my 70s, right? Yeah, maybe one or two friends. I already know them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know most of who they are, mm. right? I think if you've decided on a life of singlehood, friend, friends are very important and you need a group of people that you really get along with. Yes. And it cannot be like Kopi Tiam for half a day. You should travel with them to see whether you can hack traveling with them. Sometimes you hate each other's guts after like one one trip to Bhutan for seven days. You need to constantly put your friends to that test, right? Mm. And, and and you need to do that. I, I think that's really, really important. You want to fight loneliness off, you got to do that. I guess so. Yeah. And then I, I guess also since we're on that point, yeah. it will also be helpful to to have friends across age groups. Yes. Difficult as it might yeah, sound. Yeah, it's very difficult. It is possible. Yeah. I prefer younger people uh, younger people have a lot to look forward to in life. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so even in, in, in work and all that, right, I, I, I like to interview in jobs where I get exposure to more younger people. Yep. For the people in their 50s and all that, the, the problem is the grumpiness of mm. a lot of guys my age. Mm-hmm. And of course, the grumpiness is natural because not everybody's financially independent. They still go to work to meet a boss that maybe doesn't appreciate their contributions. So, that's not easy to to deal with. I mean, for a friend, right? Even mm. we are peers mm. between men. And, and of course, there is the problem of um, when guys come together, you form a totem pole of successful and non-successful people. That's hard to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't found a cure for that in that, you know, you, you always want to compare and, and, and that sort of ruins it. it, makes it very difficult to form friendships. Like, maybe I meet someone who's worth like eight digits, right? And all that, right? I mean, mm. I can value him as a friend, mm. but there's always this this wide chasm like it's built from your net worth. Really? Yeah. And then the same happens from a seven digital to a six digital. Isn't I, it I, self-inflicted? Yeah. I don't know. It's something which I think particularly hard for men in my generation to break out of. I think we should. should. We should eventually try to do that and find a hobby where you can't really compare yourself based on your net worth, you know? Like, mm. Yeah, like, uh, I found a group of people who play a very complicated war game called Advanced Squad Leader. And the good thing is that once you play this game, mm-hmm. th- there is no hierarchy, you know? No, nobody cares what you do at work. Mm, yeah, but the problem is that to play this game, or... you need to have a fairly high IQ. The, the rules are complicated. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like, golf is a bad idea. Golf is quite hierarchical. Golf is an hobby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, moving on to okay. on the investment side, where we are taking into account the high inflation rate. Okay. Uh, it's very difficult to structure a portfolio for the purposes of inflation fighting, right? Mm. Generally speaking, theoretically, we do have an idea that commodities tend to do well and real estate tends to do well. Mm. Commodities, even though they do well in a period of high inflation, on average across the market cycle, mm-hmm. uh, the returns are close to 0 to 1%. Mm-hmm. So it's not a very good idea to add into your portfolio beyond like 5% of your allocation. Right. 
Real estate is supposed to fight inflation, but somehow if you are a REITs investor like me, you know that your REITs are not fighting inflation for this particular round. Right it's not now. doing well, it's underperforming, yes. right? Yes. And we were talking about physical yeah. real estate. It's already yeah. all priced in already, right? It's already up. Right. Prices have already gone up, right? Yeah. So for somebody who's looking to enter the market now, oh, it's idea. kind of like too late. Bad idea. Yeah. I mean, for this period at yeah. least. In fact, if you're in physical real estate, right, mm. there'll be a, there should be a reckoning in six months. You mm. should be seeing the price of your value of your real estate drop a little bit. Yes. Right? I don't think you'll eliminate all your gains throughout mm-hmm. this season, but it wouldn't be pleasant, right? Mm. Yeah. And mm. yeah, it's, real estate is not something where I can sell my house and then move my kids back with my mom. I, I can't make a decision like this. It's not an easy decision to make. So I'm stuck with my real estate for a while. Yeah, given the fact that it's more of a, you know, yeah. it goes into the yeah. uh, bucket of less liquid investments yeah. compared to REITs. Uh. Yeah. So, so there is actually not a lot of techniques that you can use to fight inflation at this very moment, if you have a balanced portfolio, that's as good as it gets. Uh, and, and things are not likely to be better over the next six months. Mm. Yeah, we're quite close. We're tipping into a technical recession in Singapore. So um, things should not look good. Mm. Yeah. So if you're looking at uh, like you know the different yeah. asset classes, so you mentioned commodities and real yeah. estate. Commodities, real estate, yeah. I mean, crypto seems to be trending back up. I mean, it's like 1% <laughs> single-digit percentage of the portfolio. Uh, okay, now, I I believe in crypto, mm-hmm. but I believe in 1% crypto. So if you have a portfolio, you know, knock yourself out. Put mm. 1% into cryptocurrency and watch it moon, you know? <laughs> Anything higher than 1% is not prudent. Mm. Yeah, because um, we're talking about what? Uh, 50% return with a standard deviation of 99%, which means yep. that you can lose your pants. Yes. Yeah, so so keep it a small amount, but I, I, I see that it can be a very exciting asset class and, and it's fun. Would that, um, because given that we were talking about general, right. generational differences earlier, right? right? We also know that the weightage of, you know, where you put your money in your investment portfolio is different right. for somebody who is like, in their 20s versus their 60s. Oh, this is a really good point that you've raised. So the question is, as I get older, what happens to my asset allocation mm. given that I might have crypto at the start? Mm. I think the answer is you should keep crypto at 1% throughout your lifetime and you reduce your equity allocation as you get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the reason is because crypto is fun. It's like a lottery ticket. Uh, and I've always felt that crypto has a evolutionary kind of property, I, I think this is not discussed from many cryptocurrency experts in that the ability for us to like build something like the Terra or the Luna ecosystem and offer the ability to compound their wealth at 21% so that they can go on a dating app and brag to their date how well they've done in their crypto trades. I just love how everything goes back yeah. to dating. <laughs> yes. But I think that's very important because what makes a man useful to society and, and happy is, is his earnings, right? I don't know. And I mean, I, I think that that, that, that is debatable. And, and that's why I say that it is, uh, we need to look at data yeah. and then come together again for another okay. podcast. Okay, but but why why do men on a Tinder date like to brag about their crypto trades, right? And mostly these are single men. And I would say that many of them uh, actually don't, they're not the autonomous degree kind of guys. And that's mm. the kind of feedback I get from women who go into Tinder. And the women are so traumatized by these guys because that's all they can talk about on a date. And, and that to me is the magic of crypto. It is uh, like Viagra, you know, if you, if you look at it that way. It, it makes a person that 
that maybe doesn't have anything in life going for him, but because mm. he, he makes 21% a year, mm. suddenly he has some vitality again and he's talking about it on the finance forums, right? Until the lunar collapse. And that's what I noticed about Luna. It's got that amazing ability to do that. And mm-hmm. Do Kwan, in essence, right, as, as criminal as he is, <laughs> he figured this out. And mm. I think this is the secret of Ponzi schemes. You notice the people who get burned, they're mostly guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you look at women and the way they hunt for investments, I'm not talking about sophisticated women, I'm talking about Tai Tais, right? Is that is it like, just tie ties? Yeah, tie ties. Like my wife's friend, they would okay. like hunt for the best fixed deposit, and three percent is like mm. whoa, you know? <laughs> yeah, because women want to protect their wealth and all that. You see, they, they, they are in the sense that um, they're not ranked based on that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas for a guy, it's it's really serious. You know, twenty one percent is a huge game changer. Mm. Yeah, the anchor protocol giving twenty one percent. That that to me is that magic, and you cannot eliminate that because guys. The problem, guys, that we built this way, we're wired this way, we're mm-hmm. not going to change. So, 1%. But I think, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, if you want to talk about that example, right? Like, let's say the young guy, right. degree with a degree or not, with right. less capital to invest, right. versus a Tai Tai, who uh, has more capital to invest. Right. I mean, there's, there's like, I can understand the different ways <laughs> yeah. of why they invest, right? Yeah. Because first, for, the, for this young person, you're not starting off much, there's not much to lose, and you're trying to leapfrog mm. in terms of your wealth. Right. right. Whereas for like the Tai Tai or maybe not the Tai Tai, whoever has more investment capital, right. especially in that case, has a certain standard of living that they want right. to upkeep, right. that they want to hold, right? And right. they are le- maybe less likely to have that kind of risk-taking propensity. Yep. So I'm not in Tai Tai circles where I have right. no idea okay. that they're talking about scoring a 3% right. return on bonds. But I can certainly see, um, you know, based on various life circumstances, why their investing appetite will be different. Yeah, but I think you hit the nail on his head when you use the word leapfrog. In the sense that when guys get together, the process of forming hierarchies do require that a guy that has been sort of condemned, right, into a lower educational role by society, right, not 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 by himself. You're saying by academic, by uh, academic performance. performance mm-hmm. He he needs a method to leapfrog, mm. and that itself, it's you can build an industry, you can build a financial system around it, and I think blockchains are the enabler of allowing them to leapfrog. Now, subtly, ChatGPT and AI is also a leapfrogger because a person who is very good at prompt engineering mm-hmm. might be able to produce at the level of a professional. Mm, yeah. Yes. So, so in that sense, that, that has the, that magic of AI. Yeah, that's why I believe in the 1%. <laughs> but anything more is foolish. Like. Anything more is foolish, right? Because of the possibility of collapse and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I certainly also have had yeah. a very big crypto proponents on the show. And obviously, right. their, 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 their portfolio is quite heavily weighted towards crypto. Yeah, it wouldn't be 1%. It would mm. be more than that. More right? than I've seen that. some sample portfolios with 10%. Mm. Too much. It's too mm. much. Mm. Yeah. It really differs according yeah. to, like, life circumstances. Who are you financially obligated to? How much risk you can okay. take? Okay, I, I would prefer a more nuanced and academic kind of uh, simulation where we simulate portfolios and you gradually increase the cryptocurrency component right? Mm. until you can secure like a comfortable spending of about 3 to 4% for like the next 40 to 50 years. Then you stop and you don't increase your crypto any further. I mm. mean, I, I would prefer an approach like that. I've not done it. Maybe I'll, that's what I'll do for the next few days. In 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 48 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Maybe that might be the approach. But 10% is really too much. Mm. And I like to venture a guess that you take a population of married men and you take the crypto portfolios and the percentages and you do the same for single men. Mm-hmm. My hypothesis is that with, a single man with a higher, higher. 
it'll be a higher allocation. That's that's. Of course, I can't verify this, but mm-hmm. it'd be cool if you can get someone maybe in your community to be able to verify. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, yeah. I you need yeah. a good sample size, yeah. and and of course, you know, it draws back to what I was saying on like who you are financially obligated to, right? I right. mean, if it's like you said, if it's uh, married men, right, and 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 there is that obligation to provide right. one provide for the family and to ensure that you know the whatever family wealth right. is kept stable right because right. you're not just talking about yourself yeah even though it's not really other people's money but then it's like your children's yeah. education how much you spend on, on their children it is you know how much your wife needs you know yeah. is let's say if it's like sandwich generations like how much your respective parents need as right. well so it's 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 um they not engaged in such a risk-taking behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah, though there's yeah. that potential leapfrog. Yeah, but men, married men don't have to leapfrog other married men. <laughs> 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 yeah, they don't. There's really no need to. Yeah, hmm. unless your wife nags at them every day. You know, why Why you're only a deputy director? You know, <laughs> then, you know, then, then you might have a problem, right? Hmm. But otherwise, uh, married men, so long as you can upkeep the family hmm. and your children are not overspending, mm-hmm. right? There is no need to leapfrog. Hmm. Yeah, whereas harsh life for a single guy hmm. because it is highly possible that nobody cares about what, what they're doing at the moment in time you know, and that they uh, benchmark against other men, they have no chance of like ever getting into a relationship. So because of mm. this, the it's a harsh, you know, uh, very Darwinian kind of world that they face. Yeah. But drawing back to inflation, right? So it right. seems like the, the proactive things that people do, right. on the investment side, not so much. On the spending not side, like, yeah. it would be, you know, looking at the big purchase buckets. Right, right. From from an expenses side, there is a lot more flexibility, right? Mm. If you were to just stop getting bubble tea and mm-hmm. you get a bottle and you fill it up with tap water every day, the dif- the difference is going to be huge mm. after a year. So you can make these sort of lifestyle adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you keep one or two things and make it decadent, right? Mm. You still have a massive amount of savings mm-hmm. over a long period of time. Mm. So I think that's, that's really very important, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes I... Maybe the way young people, the way they spend, if the item says something about their personality, it's very difficult to give up on it, right? Mm. You feel that, oh, this is environmentally friendly. Then the product is also a form of virtue signaling, right? Yes. I mean, they call it voting, conscious capitalism, voting with your dollar. So, for example, if I have a fashion that's environmentally conscious at a hundred bucks, right? Mm -hmm. I can go for fashion that is totally environmentally un- that, that doesn't give a damn about the environment mm. right and, and maybe it costs like nine to ten dollars mm. right I think that in times of high inflation you know maybe you should downgrade and mm. go for something cheaper of course a lot of environmentalists will get angry with what I say but that's what happens in real life mm. you know mm. yeah so yeah you got to make the kind of adjustment and I think if you can cut 20 to 30 percent the the difference is quite significant mm. yeah let's say on a more macro level, given that, you know, there's an expectation of drawback in terms of consumption and okay. you you take that thinking into, you know, how you invest in the capital markets. Okay. And I think I remember speaking to um, Kristan from Robertson okay. about this, right? right? Which is basically continue to stay in the game, like stay invested because, you know, what okay. has happened is that, you know, people are, you know, kind of that there's fear of investing or participating in the investment markets. I can respect the view. It's just that I defer because there are some momentum strategies where you move in, weave in and out of the markets. Mm. You can get a higher sharp ratio, basically higher risk adjusted returns when you do that. Mm. So not necessarily to stay invested, but stay invested in that strategy 
strategy is fine, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so that's what I mean. Um, mm. Generally, you should get your money to continue to work for you. I think, I think there's there's really nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. I don't know, for, for a young person dealing with inflation, you got to deal with many variables at the same time, right? You got to mm-hmm. reduce your expenses, then you got to invest, and, and then you got to like get everything to work. It's a big juggling act for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and, you're, and, you're right. Because if yeah. you're looking at, you know, let's say income is not, first of all, income yeah. is not growing at the same rate as inflation. Right. right. Some people are getting laid off. The income's yep. like goes right down to zero. Yep. That means that, you know, one, your income either stays the same or reduces, your expenses go up. The amount that you can set aside for investment goes down. Right. You know, there's all these factors, like you said, like you rightly yeah. said, juggling act that that needs yeah. to be done. In a period of high inflation or recession, the most important thing to have is a job. <laughs> yeah, like for me, I freelance. I struggle with it. Mm. Uh, my net worth is not going to go up by a lot over the next one year. But mm. if I had a, had a job, I'm actually in a much better position because I could take my salary earnings and farm it into the market. Yes. So I guess for young people, you know, the job is the most important. Mm. And, you know, if your boss wants you to come back to the office, go back to the office. <laughs> Be seen, you know. Mm. Yeah, get promoted. Show up on time, you know. All these are basics. Yes. And I think that that should allow them to like survive this period. Now, of course, a period of high inflation or late, later when there'll be a there'll be a recession that I mean mm. the bad things will come to an end eventually yes. Yes. and you want to be there to like benefit from the upside right mm. yeah so I think that's something which I think young people should uh, remember cool so yeah. that's like good parting th- thoughts which <laughs> right. is like keep your job in this in yeah. this in this time yeah yeah keep keep your job I mean in Singapore society especially when taxes are so low mm. you're actually getting a lot for the amount of effort you put into your job Mm. Yeah, because you're not taxed 30 to 40% like mm-hmm. the English or the Europeans. Yeah. So a job is a very good thing to have. Of course, obviously, there are toxic workplaces and all that. That, that is a separate issue that, 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 that you need to deal with, mm. right? But for most people, I mean, even though work is not pleasant, it may not be unpleasant. So why not just carry on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like what yeah. you said, I mean, with the advent of like new technologies, you know, there is that possibility of having multiple income streams like side uh, yeah, hustles and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Overemployment. Yeah, overemployment. Yeah, that's what people tell me. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Mm. Yeah. It's it's probably not legal, but <laughs> I mean from a contract perspective, right? Yeah. Mm. But it's cool. Yeah. Cool. And then for listeners who want to find out more about the work that you're doing. Alright, uh, you can Google E-R-M-I-N-T-R-O E-R-M intro Take the first link Thank you Chris for being on again Thank you Thank you okay, Bye Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in This has been a fantastic conversation And we would definitely love to hear what you think about it If you would like to get in touch with us You can reach out to us through the email podcast at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at MissFitFi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on MeListen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from MediaCorp and recorded at Skate Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time. <laughs>